0: Shafi. Shafi, are you there?
1: On the hill country surrounding Austin, Texas. And here I am once again in my ivy covered castle, behind my microphone, in the back room, looking out over the empty bird feeder. Just so happy that it's another night of one magical hour of Matthew and Schaefer podcast spectacular. Here we go again. We'll be joined by You Know Him, You Love Him. He's the pride of Tarzana, California. He was born to podcast. He's both a mystiker and a mistaker. He's Matthew Rampey.
0: Oh, fee they don't believe me. But these podcasting listeners need we O'Shea fee. They don't believe me. You won't let bad segments defeat me. And and we've have a lot of bad segments, but really it's because it's our it's our rush to be completely prolific, and we've put together this. Really, it's. To me, what seems to be an infinite list of segments. And I like it when we hit the stalwarts, but sometimes we take it a little too far, like that night with Larry Wilderness.
1: Oh yeah. We, we uh, were trying
0: for 77 segments for episode 77. 77, 77 for 77. Seven, yeah.
1: yeah. We all we almost so, made it.
0: I know we were close. We got to like 16 or 17. We were only like
1: we're only like we were 62 only... segments short. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think that everybody was all the better for that. You know, I think the listeners appreciated that in the end. I would like to welcome One Magical Universe to episode 79.
1: Seven. Oh,
0: that was the wild and crazy guy. It's a that wild
1: was... and crazy episode. <laughs>
0: Well, yeah, if yeah. the if the pre show meeting says anything about the episode, then <laughs> madness will ensue. There was madness before the show.
2: It's Tell them what be
0: happened. A wild and crazy going- episode. <laughs> what was going on before the show? Well, actually, that was, that was those two guys were like some really random, non specific Eastern European descent. Yeah, it was, so.
1: One magical universe. Just to let you know, the conversation Matthew and I were having just before the show began, as I was frantically looking for some sort of funny little drop to play. You know, we like to kick it off with a little drop of something, something weird, just to put everybody in that mood. Something and, weird you know, and wonderful. I found, you know, Steve Martin, and we were just talking about how man, like this, the world has. The world has just rotated right past those two wild and crazy guys. You can't uh, move the
0: goalposts.
1: You can't run around acting like that anymore.
0: <laughs> no, no. Some of the things that they would say in that skit was crazy. Like uh, not Matt in this and day were, and age, buddy. I, I, and I, I were they positively should, scandalized. <laughs> they should do a, a redux of that, of, you know, pepped up for modern times where like they try some of that stuff in society and they get just Just absolutely shunned that would be that would be pretty pretty
1: interesting and funny to see no doubt both
0: those guys are still alive they could come back and redo it and and And, they could you know get their comeuppance in this and i guarantee
1: you they are every bit as wild and crazy as they were before if not more so maybe more so
0: well, that you know Dan Aykroyd, he sells that $100 Crystal Skull vodka. And then as we talk, <laughs> we mention Steve Martin's name on every episode. That, dude, that's become a thing that we have to say Steve Martin every time. Yeah. He he does, you were like, oh, he made an album with Edie Brickell. Like, you know, <laughs> anyway, he something to realistic. aspire to, something to aspire to. But before multiple the show, novels, multiple <laughs> plays, you know chafee was looking for some get at us you never found it right somebody has gotten at us and you don't have the record of it
1: it's just it's disappeared
0: oh my goodness something about
1: um i don't you know yeah if if you do want to send us feedback i think the any feedback that comes through our website don't send it that way
0: i think it disappears (laughs) it's we could take that website contact stuff off of there. Cause I mean, who's, you know, if you listen nobody's, to the show, you know how nobody's to really using us. it that much. Yeah. 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 <laughs> the, uh... we there's just, there's so many channels. There's the, there's the feedback at one magical hour.com. There's the Facebook and group. There's to be clear,
1: you to be clear, you can use the feedback at one magical com address. Just don't use the, don't use the click through software. Um, to do it don't click on you know don't use the form take the address and use your normal email uh, email system to send an email to the address don't use that form on there uh because that's that's how i things things get lost something gets weird happens when that's submitted and and uh the and we may never know of the what, internet
0: <laughs> we may never know what it is well it's just a lot. Um, I, you know, you were looking for something. And we were getting ready for the show and I could just feel the performative gene <laughs> kicking in. I was ready to do the show. I started saying funny stuff with, uh, well, I mean, I don't know if it was funny. I started saying stuff with a, uh, you know, a bit of an inflection and I was just like, oh, here we go. And it, yes, was, like, it was like, we got to go right now. <laughs> it was like every time in my life when people are like, calm down or we're breaking up. You know, it's just like, <laughs> simmer. <laughs> What's been going on, Shafee? Uh,
1: I I see the, It's nice. to The difference there is I don't break up with you. I just hit the record button.
0: <laughs> right. Very different. That's, I feel like some of my exes could really take a lesson from your book. Yeah. They'd really take a page have, out of your book. They should
1: have done a little more recording and a little less... Uh, a little less finger-wagging,
0: eh? Right, right. You know who you are. Um, I, uh, I I asked you what's been going on with you, but mainly because I want to tell you about what's been going on with me. But you go yeah. first. Uh, you know,
1: I I did talk. I was talking with my dad on the phone today, and he actually, he's a little bit behind, and I told him not to worry about it because, you know, we we have been, you know, kind of cutting back to just two a week, because of you know I told him about your job and he was interested he's very interested to always oh, just interested to hear what's going on with you but to hear that you've been doing construction such a kind work man particularly because you know I don't know if you knew this but while he was working as an archaeology professor at Texas Tech you know with his PhD from Harvard he decided one summer he didn't have anything to do and they were building the new stadium at Tech, mm. so he took his resume down there and signed up to do construction work on the stadium, basically. And the in his foreman on that job was named Lee Lewis, and they all thought that they all thought that Dad was just the strangest thing in the whole world—somebody who had, you know, had a had a pretty, you know, well-paying, good job. And was willing to come out there in the hot sun in Lubbock, Texas, and he spent most of his time on a jackhammer, just mm. uh, just cracking cement, and mm. uh, he'd I, you know there you hear the stories about uh, coming home and having that ibuprofen that that construction candy. Mm. Uh, I, think, yeah, I hadn't it, heard it called that. Had <laughs> had quite a bit of that to offset, uh, you know. some Pretty profound back pain. Uh the the folks on the job, yeah, call them the professor. And he had a, but he had a really good time doing it too. Uh he had a lot of fun with those guys.
0: It's and- fun. It building stuff, going outside and working with your hands is a lot of fun. I it's funny that we <laughs> I feel so foolish for having talked about uh, a few a few episodes back, a few weeks back, I was reminiscing about a time when I had a uh, <laughs> I had a, a, crossroads and I was either going to do this or that. And it became carpentry on a construction site and, and how that was good. And then I can I was at that same crossroads <laughs> recently and I am doing that again and I have to say it's in terms of like for your soul and a, for the day. First thing, it's a great group of people that I'm working with. And it, we always have cool projects on the site. We work with a, a landscape, we're like a subcontractor to a landscaping company, Cleanscapes. And this is Blue Sky design and Build. And so we're always doing what ends up being a really cool feature of the project. And um, yeah, man, and can I, you I really, say
1: right you know right now you're working on the the soccer stadium.
0: <laughs> that's right. Right now I'm working on the MLS. Um, soccer stadium, the Austin FC Q2 arena, they're going to call it. It's so funny too, because it's maybe 800 yards from my previous office of 13 years at the beer distributor.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. (laughs) It is, it
0: is on a, it is, it was right by Capital beverage. It is on a piece of property that was owned by the city called McCalla place. That was like a dumping ground for other city projects basically. And, I remember driving by that place, thinking, "Like, what is back there?" And now there's a an awesome soccer soccer specific stadium. We we are busy um, putting in steel benches that are clad in this product called kebony, and we are uh, we. We physically move the steel into place and then drill holes in the steel and bolt the sections together and anchor it all down and shim it all up to the right height. And then we're using this Kebony. Like imagine a board set on end, not laying flat, but board set on end, 27 inches rounded at the ends. So today I'm um, I was just doing production of the cladding and I'm taking these 12 foot sections of Kebany and taking it to a cutting station and cutting 27-inch slats that are gonna be attached to the steel. Um and I so I ended up doing like my day. I'm I'm outside with, with people I like and respect, and I'm working with my hands. Today, especially I had a very repetitive task. I was doing the same thing for like two, four-hour blocks. Yeah, you know, and mm-hmm. I was listening to podcasts. I can't believe I did this before and I wasn't listening to podcasts. Um, yeah, <laughs> I've I've been listening to TVTL a lot. Um, I, I'm getting off the construction topic, but that that is what I'm doing right now. I am still looking for other opportunities, but this is a great thing that I'm doing with good friends, and I I do really enjoy it. That's so funny that your dad took it down to the. That was uh, the old stadium, or is that the stadium that still stands, right? Yeah. Yeah. Jones so, Jones Stadium. Yeah. Is that what it's called? I have no idea. <laughs> I haven't been to Lubbock in a long time. Um, have you been listening to any TBTL?
1: I've, I've dipped in and out, but yeah, I, uh, well, I always stay you did, know,
0: somewhat, somewhat caught up. Did you hear about Luke? being in oklahoma city to interview wayne Coyne.
1: yes I knew, wayne yeah, coin the was... lead
0: singer of the flaming lips yeah which sounds like a lot of fun to me that's yeah and he was luke was being very effusive about how lovely oklahoma city is i've i've been there but i i didn't i was there very briefly And, uh, but what, but what about that Wayne coin? Like, is that guy an inspiration or what? First, like Luke was saying that he lives in his neighborhood that he grew up in. And the, like the first house that he bought for $20,000 and it's a very regular house. Although his Wikipedia page says that he lives on a compound of four houses in his neighborhood. But, um, Mm -hmm. Luke was saying he just lives in a very regular house. And then he's, he's 60 years old and they're still making music and they played on the Friday Music for your weekend, a little bit of from a new album. <laughs> and somebody said to Wayne Coyne, like, you know, you've you've been doing this for so long. Do, do you feel like you don't have something to say, or, or you feel like you're you're done with you? And you know, and he said, like, why would what if you were a painter, and somebody was like, oh, you've done a thousand paintings. Do you feel like you have anything left to say? You're like, no, I'm I'm getting better at painting still. And um, I just love that. I hate the youth-obsessed nature of society and pop music and, like, this idea that if you don't make it by the time you're 25, you're washed up or something. And, like, I feel like Wayne Coyne is such a a good example, but that is absolutely not true.
1: Yeah, I just looked up Wayne Coyne's house, and, you know, maybe it is in his childhood neighborhood, but he is definitely Wayne coyne sized.
0: Uh, that was also mentioned yes okay uh, there's
1: a new york times article about it that, okay. that has a bunch of pictures i'll, I'll put it on the we- on the facebook okay. page yeah so it's, Anyway, it's the, of cool course again.
0: then the, i did the i did the parody at the top of the show with the with a little flaming lips and yeah you did yeah. i i i saw them at austin music hall like and i had broken my leg a, like a few weeks before and we had had these tickets and we were concerned that i wasn't going to be able to like go you know couldn't stand it but amy like contacted austin music hall and we ended up sitting in the uh, the altar abled section um the it's you know it was like mezzanine front row um and we were escort like i was on crutches still we were escorted to our seat and it, was, it ended up being really great um anyway i love those guys um, we had the
1: Flaming Lips album, uh, Transmissions from the Satellite Art. Uh, is that what it's called? Um, yeah, the one with,
2: uh, you know, uh,
1: the one with what was that song? Vaseline. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh yeah. yeah right. Right.
0: Yeah, that was like they had a like a pop hit in the er, kind of early-ish 90s, right? But then and also,
1: and- also, there's a song in there called Turn It On. That's a great song, too. Mm. We had that on cassette, and we kept it in my mom's accord. My sister and my brother and I listened to that tape a whole lot when we were driving my mom's accord around Lubbock. And I remember one of the things, uh, we should just keep this between us, but one of the things we did was definitely <laughs> sure. we were – we were supposed to go to uh to catechism class at Saint Elizabeth's Church and then go to and then go to mass together and we kind of somehow we got on a schedule where you know we were allowed to just do that by ourselves and that was you know there was an immediate yeah. understanding between all of us that we had no real interest in going to church and so we would just drive around uh <laughs> Okay drive around East Lubbock, just playing playing uh, <laughs> uh that that record transmission from the satellite's heart y'all are the rascals, soil. man <laughs> <I definitely, laughs>
0: off to catechism class I associate that <laughs> with yeah hanging
1: out with my my brother and sister and just kinda kinda cranking that and cruising around east Lubbock in the in the accord up to no <laughs> good up to no good indeed, yeah yeah i love that uh um yeah strong association with my siblings with that album you know they've done so many interesting they had that one album that was it was actually a four record set and you were supposed to set up four different record players and play all four records at the same time oh and so it was this big like kind of cacophonous symphony yeah, and you were supposed to sync it up to where you started everything exactly at exactly the same time. And they were meant to be played together.
0: Okay. But, uh, I'm I'm not super familiar with the recordings because I I feel like they're a live band, you know? Yeah. Like, I mean, I always say I'm familiar with some of the recordings, but I, was, I didn't know about that. They're just such an experience. And I, I've seen them at, at different times, and they were doing different things, like with... You know, bubbles. First, he was in a bubble. And now, right now they're doing the pandemic all bubble show. Yeah. Yeah. The crowds Uh, are in bubbles. Yeah. Yeah. It's pretty. Wayne Coyne is an inspiration. Let it be known, one magical universe. We think Wayne Coyne is an inspiration.
1: They also did the full album cover of Dark Side of the Moon. Oh, I did not know about that. It just yeah, they did <laughs> they they covered the entire record.
0: I will um, also say Grant Hall is an inspiration with that tale of going to the construction site.
1: Oh yeah. No doubt. Wayne Coyne and Grant Hall. Birds of a feather. <laughs>
0: totally. Well, I feel like we should do a we that was a great intro by the way. Congratulations, sir. I'd like to tell you the intro was fantastic. Thank you for supporting me and uh, adding to that. And this feels like a real podcast at this stage, right? Here we are. Um. So we've got an old time segment, one of your old favorites, you know. It was one that I mentioned a few episodes back and I feel like uh, we got to come back to it. You know, I, 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 I hate for us to be saying, Oh, we're going to do this next time. We're going to talk about this thing. And then we don't, but anyway, in an effort for better communication, we like to talk about words and terms yield word shop, which, which Schaefer has just distilled down to yow's yield word shop. Okay. I I can't remember. Yeah. Wh- I can't remember why I mentioned this, and I can't be bothered to go back and find out why by just listening to a couple of episodes ago. But I mentioned counting coup. Do you know what counting coup is, Jafee? And you probably do. I sort of do.
1: It's interesting. I've seen this on the on the show sheet. It's been on the show sheet for a little while now. And I've been very interested to see what uh, what exactly was going to go down with this. So I'm ready
0: for it. Tell me more about it. This is a term derived from Native American culture. And it's a term that I think about a lot because, I don't know, somehow in our American psyche, we get bogged down in the bottom line and we forget that there's honor and respect and dignity in the world and it doesn't always have to be the kill like in terms of addressing your enemy sometimes all you need to do is ride up real fast on your horse and touch your enemy without them killing you and ride away and that is one form of counting coup it was it was touching or striking an enemy and it was one of the highest honor earned by warriors participating in the intertribal wars of the Great Plains. My source here is plainshumanities.unl.edu. Um, Native peoples were into these like precise systems of, of honors and a key to success in Plains combat it was demonstrating your courage, proving your superiority by um, in a more competitive sense. And of course, killing was a part of ward, a part of war, but showing courage in the process was more important for status. So they would, they would engage in battle and it wasn't always about killing your enemy. Sometimes it was just about striking them um, and not wasting ammunition. Of course, at this time the Plains Indians were using firearms at the time we're talking about Um, humiliating an enemy was part of it. There's an account from a Jesuit missionary, Father Pierre Jean Desmet. Desmet? Desmet? Hmm. Desmet's 1948 visit to the Ogallala Lakotas and the Ogallala leader Redfish related to the priest how his men had just suffered a disgraceful defeat at the hands of the crows. The crows killed 10 Ogallalas, then chased the others for a distance, and then they were content to merely repeatedly count coup on their enemies with clubs and sticks. Demonstrating to the Ogallalas that they were not worth the ammunition needed to kill them, basically. <laughs> wow.
1: I. Uh, that's interesting. I feel like you know, there's there's a lot of times when, when a battle was not decided that way, and in fact was decided with a lot of bloody death. So uh, I wonder if I wonder if it ever got confusing. You know, you, you definitely put it this way. You definitely wouldn't want to just march up to a bunch of Comanches and just hope they were going to count coup on you.
0: (laughs) Right. Right. There's a fine line. I think like in this example too, the battle was already won. Yeah. You know, gotcha. But I don't know that concept has come into my mind so many times since I learned it as a kid. I don't know why. Uh, I like, I, I love the honor in it.
1: It's interesting. I had definitely seen it written, heard it referred to probably, let's be honest, probably in either the Larry McMurtry novels that I read a lot of or the Louis Lamar novels that I read a lot of. Um, But I was never clear on what exactly it was. Honestly, I thought it was kind of... I thought Counting Coup was just counting up the number of of, uh, scalps you had or, you know, the number of battles you'd won or, you know, kind of... I thought Counting Coup just meant bragging about it around the fire. I didn't realize that it was actually... It was actually humiliating your enemy in his face.
0: That's- well, there's, there's an, I, I mean, I think that there is an element of that in that there's a coup stick and they would literally like notch a stick for a coup and maybe in certain tribes, it, it uh, pertain to killing as well. But I, I, I do, I do think that it has a, a more uh, honorable meaning and, and I also think there's probably an aspect of it that like, you know, these Indians probably wanted to have lived to fight another day. And if they killed everybody and, you know, they, you know, there there's probably some ceremonial um ritualistic aspects of it, you know.
1: It definitely would have made a lot of sense, yeah. If they were able to do that in between them and then save their, you know, save it
0: for fighting off the invaders from the west isn't that what sports is in a way like we can we can channel yeah. our energies into this game where yeah i think you know, yeah,
1: that might be a way to count coup yeah i would think more specifically like the olympics you know hmm. is a time when is a time when countries get together and you know you literally count up the total number of you know gold medals that you won and say ah. Oh, You know, my country is obviously better than yours. Look at all these gold medals I have.
0: Yeah. And in times, in earlier times in the last 40 years or so, maybe when the Olympics had more like, um, what shall we say, less shame to them or something like it was taken very seriously. Had more Uh, cachet. Countries wanting to win medals. Did we do we? Shouldn't the Olympics be this summer? Didn't they push them off for one year? Yeah, that uh, that makes sense to me. Huh. Um, Well, something to look forward to. Um, I look forward to our Olympic themed episodes. Oh, Uh, man. I'll talk to you guys. (laughs) I'll
1: talk to you guys about some (laughs) curling.
0: I love love curling, man. Um, I feel like at this stage in the show, and thank you for joining me for... For that Yow yowls.
1: Um,
0: I feel like we should go on a cruise. Boop. Exciting you, and news. Did you notice that I did put in the music last time? You did. You're so so excited to hear it. it was Groovy. But I. would like, like to us. welcome Olympic correspondent Schaefer Hall. <laughs>
1: And we are going to directly on the other side of the globe now. For you know, where where one magical hour is is big. It's very popular in the nation of India, and also in just to a slightly lesser extent, but still very popular in the nation of Pakistan.
0: Let's and go to we the region of. We're in the region.
1: An interesting... Thanks very much, Ellen Ferguson, for getting us getting at us with this news article uh, from the Daily Mail. And I am pulling it up right now.
0: If you didn't have the tab up?
1: There is... I thought I could click on it, but I couldn't click on it for some reason. The There is... an, an Pakistan has unveiled... A new rollerblade armed police shouldn't it be rollerblade footed, <laughs> rollerblade? Uh, they've got a new police. <laughs> they they have a new police unit on roller on roller rollerblades. So that's cool. that's really exciting for everyone, for fans of the rollerblades, people who are interested in in new breakthroughs in law enforcement. <laughs> <laughs> and That's one of my
0: great interests: breakthroughs in law enforcement.
1: They, how uh, the, the head, the unit head Faruk Ali, said the cops will be able to chase down thieves, right? Because you can go faster than on on rollerblades than you can running. But he did concede that they're not going to be able to operate in certain parts of the city because of poor roads. <laughs> definitely uh definitely can't rollerblade on just any service yeah so if you're if you are trying to evade these cops definitely you, you want to stay away from basketball courts and it's mm-hmm. pretty especially roller rinks anything anything real smooth you want to go for the rockiest service you can
0: you don't want like a velodrome or a velo way or no, a, don't. Yeah, definitely you don't want a paved path or no, no, none of those like sidewalks really nice are probably not great.
1: Freshly um, asphalted parking lots.
0: Yeah, you want to look for like decomposed granite <laughs> trails and um, more, could, the more potholes, r- the better. Jumping from rooftop to rooftop is probably a good idea because yeah, I think yeah. that would be prohibitive on.
1: That would roller be really blades. hard to do on the Hey,
0: Shafi, did rollerblades just get to Pakistan? Is it like a like is is Pakistan sort of behind in the rollerblade trend? I don't want to make any does... assumptions. I don't want to do any cultural insensitivities right here. I've done enough to for today.
1: This does say that the squad still has a month of intensive rollerblade training to go through before they will be deployed. So that. I wonder if Andrew
0: Walsh could help them out.
1: uh, Yeah, he definitely could. No, Uh he says that he
0: hasn't really gotten any better. That's.
1: uh, However, it also notes that Paris and London have deployed rollerblade cops with varying success.
0: Uh, Yeah, I can imagine. (laughs)
1: Not what you would call a
0: glowing review. I can imagine. But anyway, if you're trying to apprehend somebody else on rollerblades that you're like if the crook is also on rollerblades i think that that's probably a good deal because you'll they'll be confined to the same surfaces as you oh i'm
1: really sorry that you guys can't see there's a video of the training
0: <laughs> uh, can that go that, on the web? I we will can, put okay, that go on the Facebook page. page? Yes. Okay. Oh, it's no, it's delayed.
1: It just looks like fun. Thank goodness. Okay. Oh yeah, they're pulling guns on rollerblades. Oh wow, yeah.
0: <laughs> like John. This is Wick just the beginning,"
1: said Anila Islam, a police woman in the unit. "This rollerblading will really benefit us. With this training, we can reach narrow alleys very quickly." Where it is usually difficult to go,
0: huh? There you have it, folks. See, narrow alleys is not the first thing that pops to mind when I think yes. oh they're going to be able to really get an advantage in this arena, but but I honestly just started thinking about this paradigm shift when you started talking about it, so I might I'll try to be open to the possibilities. There you have it. Thanks, Miss Ferguson. Um, I think that we should do a repeat, a redux. How about another yowls? Yeah.
1: Also, thanks to the delightful Ellen Ferguson in Maryland. Uh, she got at us via We're the gonna usual. Have to start...
0: Via the We're... usual channels. You're going to have to start giving her producer credits, right?
1: Oh, she's yeah, she's definitely producer. Am I right? Yeah. Okay. Um, so, especially since, you know, the, the position of uh, an empty, there's a, an empty spot in the promotion. From, yeah. When we promoted Jameson last time. Yeah. I was so, looking at the org chart. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's good. We'll, to hear. Uh, good to hear. we'll get her a nice placard. Shafie.
0: Can we'll you update to, the
1: org chart <laughs> to put on her guest to put on her desk? <laughs> yeah. It says producer, am I
0: right? Mm-hmm. So we have another. Yeah. To you. Yeah. Sweet.
1: Uh, I love words. I love words. These are these are words that are much older than they seem.
0: Mm, like nitty gritty,
1: and uh, yeah. it's not it's not very old, apparently. <laughs> much, yeah, that was nineteen sixties. Younger than it seemed.
0: Yeah, it's like a hippie
1: friend as a verb, a common lament. In pieces about kids these days and their social what's its, is when did friend become a verb? And the answer is Mm. sometime in the 1400s, if not earlier. The earliest examples of the verb friend from the OED, meaning just to make friends, you could go to a place and friend some people there. Uh, It also had a meaning of helping someone out or being a friend to them in terms of reports came that the king would friend. Lauderdale, an example from 1698. Also, unfriend, if you could friend someone, it's only natural that you could unfriend them too. 1659, I hope, sir, that we are not mutually unfriended by this difference which hath happened betwixt us.
0: So it's like social media recovered
1: this gem of a
0: verbal... As how
1: long How long, Matthew, would you say? How long have dudes been up to their dudery?
0: Huh, dudes? Well, I know it sort of goes back to uh old West times when it was a, a dude was somebody who was a little too fancy for the ranch, right? You know If you get all dudeed up, that means you put on your finery. So, I don't know, at least at least a couple hundred years.
1: This actually got? takes it uh, back a little further. So, actually, Matthew, dude, this is tracing dude back to the 1880s in uh, actually high society uh, Britain. Uh, in the 1880s, dude had a negative mocking ring to it. A dude was a dandy. Someone very particular about clothes, looks, and mannerism who affected okay. a sort of exaggerated high-class British persona.
0: Oh, boy. <laughs> I'm more of a dude than I thought, except and, the, with the nice clothes. And then in the Old West, it kind of became
1: anybody coming out to the Old West from the city. And then uh, that, but it wasn't until, um, it, it wasn't until later that it kind of just started to mean guy, maybe even kind of a cool guy uh but but do where where dude goes dudery follows the Mm -hmm. oed equates it with with dudism aka dudish behavior attitudes or character the quality of being a dude in 1941 an ohio newspaper noted spats were a curious aberration they didn't really look well but for many years they were symbols of
0: wait what is that spats what is that spats is that like spanks uh
1: no spats are kind of they're like uh they're like mud flaps for your feet
0: oh okay yeah i've seen those i suppose i wouldn't that's ah i'm learning so much there's another yield workshop like right in the middle of yield workshop i'm like what is that word yeah how long that's what happens is yows lead to yows? how how long have we
1: been hanging out
0: how long have we been podcasting?
1: No, how long has, has have us as a people been hanging uh, out Oh oh oh, century? sorry, <laughs> sorry. actually
0: actually using the word hangout to describe hanging out. I thought you were like, this is running a little long. How long have we been hanging out here? Hmm. Um, I gosh, I don't I don't know, Shafi. do tell. Let me wait, let me guess. The sixteen hundreds. That oh. was just completely from the hip.
1: This actually does surprise me. uh the first note was eighteen thirty seven in the Pickwick papers. Charles Dickens wrote Charles Dickens wrote, "I say, old boy, where do you hang out?
0: <laughs> mm.
1: uh, you know, so many things come from Shakespeare. You know, or whether so many things, their first instance are in Shakespeare. You know, as far as uh, things that we read today, including puke. <laughs> uh, he didn't. He didn't invent it, but it was popularized uh, in Shakespeare. P- people
0: first regularly puked in Shakespeare. I. Um... First thing, I'm hearing what sounds like gunfire at my house. Sorry if I wasn't. Um, uh, We're all over Shakespeare, right? Like, he shaped so much of our of our vernacular, right?
1: Yes. I You know, kind of like I was saying, I don't know if it's necessarily true that Shakespeare just invented everything, or if just that's... He just codified earliest. it. He just put it yeah, down you know, on there, the paper. Yeah, so many... He wrote so many plays; those plays stayed important to us. So now, they're the first—they're the re- first recorded uh, use that we can find of it. So, right. But uh, but there are a bunch of kind of colloquialisms and things that maybe he did—he did create. So you know, there's no question that he was a—he was an excellent writer and had a lot of a, uh, had a very
0: distinctive style uh interesting one you say he it could be they right there could be multiple shakespeare's right
1: uh interesting one is booze
0: oh do tell
1: a general slang for alcoholic drink at least since the 1850s it has a longer history as the middle middle english verb booze b-o-u-s-e meaning to drink excessively That became a part of thieves and beggars' cant in the 1500s. It's still a word that respectable people might not be familiar with up until the 20th century, as illustrated by this quote from 1895: "She heard some men shout they wanted more booze." (laughs) What, Mister Willis? Booze, my lord, drink.
0: (laughs) Uh I use that a lot. That I'll put to fine distinction in my house. I'll My kid's like, is that kombucha? And I'm like, no, that's booze. Kombuza.
1: I'll put this uh up on the website so people can peruse it further. There's a lot of good stuff on here. But uh, the last one is fly, which, uh, you know, obviously there's per- lots of definitions of fly, but the one meaning sharp or knowledgeable, uh, in the late 1800s, uh, it took on connotations of attractable attractiveness and fashionableness uh, these citations I am uh, eighteen seventy nine I am speaking now of the young men about town who think it is awfully fly to know toe headed actresses and that to sip crabapple champagne with the gaudy vulgar thing in peak tights is just the nobbiest thing on earth.
0: <laughs> what a sentence. <laughs> I definitely would have thought that fly was a lot newer than that. Yeah, yeah. That's that's actually quite surprising. 186.
1: They get in with a lot of cheap skates and chase around at nights and think they're the real thing. They think they're fly, but they ain't.
0: Oh, that's more like no scrubs.
1: Yeah. I do think that crab apple champagne is pretty nobby.
0: <laughs> do you guys serve crab apple champagne at the front page?
1: <laughs> I... This is you, the first I've ever heard of champagne made from
0: crab apples, I assure you. I'm certainly gonna try to order it the next time I'm there. I'll <laughs> well, have a crab apple champagne, sir. Pardon me, Chuck the
1: bartender. Could I could I trouble you for another crab apple champagne? Now my grandfather told me a story.
0: You got champagne flutes at the bar?
1: We do not know. <laughs>
0: That's what I thought. <laughs> Good. That uh, was a correct right answer. Ding ding ding. My it's not that kind of bar. My grandfather told me
1: a story about some distant relatives around the time of the Civil War. Uh, their names were Nickerson and Jefferson Davis. I remember that specifically because Nickerson Davis was a I thought was a pretty awesome name. And apparently they were two. They were two brothers, and they were known for making scuppernong whiskey. So, oh, uh, what's that? It's what's Skeppernong? A sc- a I've never scuppernong... heard that before. Is this
0: another yield workshop? Are we yes. going into another one? Oh gosh,
1: a Oh yeah, what is I think it's kind of like a crab apple. Honestly,
0: I've never heard that term before. I thought that I knew the language, Shavy! <laughs> Yeah, uh,
1: Scuppernong grapes, it's a, it's a wild grape uh, that grows in the south. So, so the, the way the story goes was Jefferson and Nickerson Davis were making this their Scuppernong wine, and somebody told them, Oh, you got to get a government stamp for that, you know, I meaning you got to pay taxes on it. And, you know, basically they were moonshining it, mm. and uh. But so that Nickerson is. Davis, they didn't really understand what that, what the person was talking about. They didn't, they just, they had always done this and they didn't, they had never gotten the government involved before, but they were told that they had to do this. They had to get a stamp. So he just went, they went down to the post office and bought some stamps and just stuck a, stuck a postage stamp on each of their bottles <laughs> of scupper wine what to, uh,
0: to legitimize
1: them. I don't know. I can't imagine that holding up with the ATF
0: but not the TABC that's for sure but there you have it Well I would like to um round this one magical hour out with I know that I know when we interviewed Matthias back in the autumn that that didn't seem like that we were going to draw so much content from the dream cycle but yeah, i have yo, i have yo, a very <laughs> i know i have a very i know he's pretty he has no idea just like milton and the rest um uh <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a very short dream to are we can we ra- are you ready to round it out i'm ready ready dude, to put I'm the bullnose on it here we go this is from that envelope that i Uh, Open last time. I still have some unopened dream envelopes. Uh, This is the 75th dream. Really short. You're going to enjoy this. You dream that you are sleeping on a bed of sleeping bees. (laughs) right. That's it. That... i like it this is like this is that an anxiety dream i don't think it is i think that's to me that sounds like a really deep calm dream yeah that that's that's... like where you got really good sleep because like all you you were having like a sensory maybe there's a maybe there's an aspect of fear there i don't know but if you're able to sleep on the sleeping bees then obviously you are at a level of deep calm that is on 4 foretold of. Um, It sounds mighty comfy
1: to me indeed. And I am pleased to report, Matthew, I've got some last minute breaking news.
0: Got some breaking news here.
1: After after that whole time of searching for that email that I couldn't find during the pre-production for the show, I finally found it. It was Adam Wentworth who got at us. Oh, and he he got at us with a, with a Q from the J, which in this case would actually be a Q from the A. So uh, we'll forward promote that. We we will be getting. At I am that. looking.
0: F- I, that's actually going to be the reason I come back and do episode eighty with you, because I want to <laughs> find out what happens there. I'm kidding. There have lots of reasons to come back to the show. I sing about it every time. <laughs> Listen, One Magical Universe, please write us a review on Apple Podcasts and get at us. Feedback at onemagicalhour.com and forget about that form on the website.
1: We'd love to hear from you uh, any way you see fit, be it review, an email. Uh, you can get at us via our, our Facebook page. Uh, that's where a lot of, a lot of folks like to post uh post hashtag content from our producers miritiss and uh, of course check out our zazzle store if you need a nice pair of <laughs> omh yoga pants for the loved one in your life and uh, as always it is wonderful to be here for you if you guys weren't out there we wouldn't be in here talking so much so thank you thank you so much for giving us something to do in these in these odd times we we look forward every week to talking to you and we actually both start to go a little crazy if we don't if we don't do it it seems
0: well it's so. hard to tell because we were sort of already there but <laughs> just remember that the poorer the choices the sweet of the wine
2: Last Sunday on a lamppost I found a yellow handbill With your number That said apartment for rent Now my mind is filled with questions That will never be answered Girl, what happened? Since our love was spent Did you shack up Did you crack up Did you give up Did you live up To your dreams New York City I still can't find that picture me and you under an umbrella on your birthday maybe I burned it that sounds like something I do one morning I remember you gave me New York City Now, my dear, I'm giving it back to you The room where we shot the lights out Will soon be a different color Who could live with walls so blue Did you shack up? Did you crack up? Did you give up? Did you live up to your dreams? Of New York City. Did you shack up? Did you crack up? Did you give up? Did you live up to your dreams? Of New York City.